There's a guy in the Bible called Moses. Some of you may have heard of him. Pretty important character. Did some significant things. But one of the most significant things, or a few of the most significant things he did, was when the people of Israel were in captivity, God spoke to him when he was out being a shepherd. So he's about 80 by this, this stage, that'd be right, about 80 years old. His life was broken up into three 40-year segments. He did 40 years basically raised by the Egyptians. Then he went out and was like a shepherd because he murdered somebody. He ran off because he knew he was a Hebrew and someone, one of the Egyptians was being mean to one of his brothers. Not literally, but, you know, Hebrew bro. And he thought, well, I'll take this into my own hands. Went and clocked him and then buried him in the sand and ran off for four, another 40 years, hiding, being a shepherd. And then God spoke to him out of a burning bush and said, go and set my people free because the Israel, Israelites had gone into captivity. And uh, so he argues with God. I don't know, I don't get it. You know, God speaks to him out of a burning bush. That would be enough for me. But Moses goes, oh no, I can't do it. Can't speak properly. And God speaks to a person called Aaron, who happens to be his brother, who's three years older than him, and says, go meet Moses. He needs your help. This is Steve's paraphrase. And so Moses meets with Aaron, they go back. Moses then leads the people of Israel who are in slavery and captivity. He goes to Pharaoh, I think, 10 times. Finally, he says, all right, let them go. And he leads the people out of slavery into a new life of freedom. But the person that often gets overlooked in that whole story is the person named Aaron. You don't have to worry about the, the slides up the back. Kick back, have a drink. There's a guy called Aaron, his brother. And what's significant about that is oftentimes because of the way we preach, I'll say I preach, I'm sure it doesn't happen here, but the way we preach, we, we talk a lot about the first person, the, the number one leader of a great move of God. But great moves of God don't happen in a church, in an organisation, in a city across the world without a whole lot of number two people. And the thing that you need to get a hold of as a church, as a Christian, is that God may never call you to be the Moses, but He might call you to be the Aaron. Aaron was very significant in the process because if you look into it, because Cecil B. DeMille and all the others make it look like Moses was the man. And he was. He was the man appointed by God to do it. But God knew that he needed second people around him. So he said, Aaron, you go help him. So Moses gets the trophy, but Aaron was a person who made sure that he got the message across. And this is coming out really poorly for someone who had prepared about 13 slides to show you. But I still think we've got some more business to do here. <laughs> and maybe this is for somebody here today because these aren't the points that I had down. I think it's significant, particularly in culture of the time, in Israelite culture or Hebrew culture, that Moses was the youngest in his family. There was Miriam, who was his sister. Not really sure how much older she was. Then there was Aaron, who was three years older than Moses, and God chose the youngest to be the deliverer. But then... He spoke to the brother that was older and said, humble your heart 
and go and serve Moses. If we want to see our community delivered from the slavery and oppression, and please, I'm not, I'm not going to go out and march in the streets about this, but the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. He throws people into a spiritual slavery. And if we are going to be a part of that, we're going to have to humble our heart and serve a Moses that God has called, serve alongside a Moses that God has called. In your church here, that happens to be Pastor Phil. He's like, oh, yeah, this is a setup. Certainly not. He's not here. If you want to see how I set him up, I told him to go down to Black Run on the ski fields. <laughs> if you've never been skiing before, that's danger, danger, warning, warning. He may not come back. <laughs> but if we want to see God do everything that God wants to do in the nation, we have to recognize the call of God on somebody's life and then get alongside them and do our part as number two. See, number two in this world is seen as less than. But if you are called to be that number two person or those number two people in life, this is, this is good stuff not just for church here. This is good for your workplace. Because we're not called to just take these principles into the church. We're, we're called to take these principles to our workplace. Yet we have this thing where we're supposed to climb the ladder. Well, maybe you were never meant to be on the top rung. You were meant to be on the second rung behind the person on the top rung and let them be paid more and let them have more responsibility and let them sweat at night. But you're there to support them. And when we all do our part like that, Moses and Aaron, the Bible says, went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Moses and Aaron led the people out of slavery in Egypt on their journey to the promised land. Moses and Aaron walked across the Red Sea together. Cecil B. DeMille has it that Moses held his staff out. It's true. The Bible says that Moses struck a rock and water came out for the people. Moses did all these miracles, but if we take it right to the nth degree, when the Ten Commandments were given to Moses, someone had to look after the people. Aaron looked after the people. He made some mistakes. We're not getting to that this morning. But perhaps Moses couldn't have gone to the mountain if there was nobody there to look after the people. And I'll finish with this thought because I've got some other things we need to do. The Ten Commandments, when they came down the second time, because he smashed the first lot, he was so angry, went and got them again. They came down on two tablets of stone. And then Bezalel, a guy called Bezalel, constructed the Ark of God, not Noah's Ark, the Ark of God, which was carried on people's shoulders. You know that box that uh, Harrison Ford's still looking for? Three things went into that box. Theologians will be able to tell me here this morning, but if you're like me, you didn't know unless you do the research on Google. The three things I think were the tablets of stone. The second thing was manna from heaven. It's what, when they were walking through the wilderness, miraculously God provided. And then the third thing that went in there was Moses' staff. It wasn't. I was being facetious. It was actually Aaron's staff. Hang on a minute. 
Wasn't Moses the key figure? This is the box that held the manifest presence of God. But God chose to use His word that was given to Moses, His provision from heaven, and a rod which really speaks of authority and priestly authority that was given to Aaron to put in the box. So it wasn't just the one person that got to put everything in the box. It was the number one leader and the number twos were represented in the box as well. So if you want to bring the manifest presence of God to your city, do your part. If you want to bring the manifest presence of God to your family, do your part. God, again, forgive me if this is just going haywire, but hey, this is what we got. You chose me to do it. <laughs> Take it up with yourself. <laughs> so can I just encourage you today to be the best number two person that you can be in whatever environment you find yourself until God makes you the number one person. And pray that he doesn't make you the number one person. Because if you've ever been the number one person, you wish you were the number two person again. I'll tell you a story about a drug man. Not to condemn him, but just so that some of you go, oh no, that, you can't use that story because he took drugs. I'm going to talk about team cycling for a minute. Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France seven times. Had it stripped off him because he perhaps took performance enhancing drugs. That's not the point of this story. In team cycling, there is one person appointed as the first rider. Then there's a whole group of people around them that are appointed to ride with them. Their job is not to win the race. Their job is to get that number one rider across the line first. He did that. Lance Armstrong rode that Tour de France race and won it seven times because everybody that was appointed in the team did their job. Their job was to ride along and protect him when the peloton was close, that they could knock him off. When a team went ahead, they would ride up and bring them back to the pack so he could get up in front. And they all had a part to play. On toasting their seventh victory, Lance Armstrong stood and he said, because you get a yellow jersey when you win, he said, this jersey, I reckon the only thing that belongs to me is the zipper. The arms, the sleeve, the back, the collar, everything else belongs to the team. That's how it works. If I was to ask you today, can anyone tell me the names of the riders that rode with Lance Armstrong in his team in any of those races, I'd be surprised if more than one or two people could name one of about 15 people that had ridden with him over those years. But every one of them enjoyed the spoils of victory every time. Some of, I think the, the best result anyone ever got was to finish about sixth. But they got the goal achieved. God has a great destiny on the life of this church. He has a great plan for this church in this community. And he's looking for a whole lot of second riders that will ride along to get the vision achieved. So again, God, please go beyond the limitations of what I felt in sharing that this morning. I believe it spoke to the hearts of people that needed to hear it. Amen. So, if I might, <laughs> I don't know if this is really bad for the people on the camera or the people that are watching at home. If, I've, if this is all you're seeing of me, the top over there, it's a good day. 
It's my most attractive part. Um, hey. I, I just like walking around with the microphone. <laughs> hey. Now, there was somebody over this side before came out the front. I might have gone home. <laughs> I used to be in services like this and I'd go, oh, gee, look down, look down, look down. Don't worry, it's okay. I'm just going to run out and take this microphone home. <laughs> ah. in the back row just hold my hand for a moment what's your first name again Robin Robin turn around stretch your hand towards Robin God wants to do something good for Robin God I pray for Robin right now you see the cry of her heart you've seen the prayers that she's prayed you've heard them all you've even bottled the tears that she's cried midst of all of that you've been working you've been working on her behalf and so God I pray in days to come that she would be astounded at the turnaround of certain situations that perhaps she only knows about but Robin I believe today that God brought you here to inject courage into your heart not courage from Steve but courage from heaven God bless you. Good things. Good things. All right. Well, that was awkward. For Robin. <laughs> Not for me. Because I'll get in my car and go home. And now I've got a four-wheel drive. I can go over the fence. Can I thank you as a church for being always so welcoming and always so responsive? It's unusual. When I go places, people run away. So, just kidding. But thank you for being so responsive to the Word of God. There is a great culture here. Don't take what I was saying about the second person this morning as a rebuke in any way. It's an encouragement to us. If we want to be a part of bringing liberty and life to people who are stuck in slavery of their sin, of their addiction and all those sort of things, we've got to, there's a pattern to that from Scripture and that's what it is. So let's be excited. And as, a, as we go forward with the carols, do you know when I was working in council, for those of you who don't know, I used to work in council, but I got too good for that and moved out. Um, this church was spoken of in high, high um, regard for the event that you put on at Christmas because it's a blessing to a whole region. You know, council do their own carols, but it's a long way for people to go because Logan's a big city. And for you to do what you do in such a professional and godly way, um, is it, it has a spiritual impact on the climate of the city. So thank you. For those of you who sow financially, for those of you who give of your time, for those of you who come and practice from October through to the last week of November, uh, you're the first carols on the calendar that sets the benchmark for everyone else to fly, uh, fail and fall short of. Uh, so thank you very much for that. And, um, and finally, thank you for your continued encouragement and prayers for me and my family because we need it. So um, that's about all i got. So God, I pray that you would uh, bless this word, whatever that was. Um, thank you that, um, God, you have done good things in people's lives. And we thank you that you will continue to do that. And uh, 
that our wonderful, wonderful keyboard player does not get arthritis from sitting there playing for so long. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.